0: As I close this series on the party of one, I just want to remind the singles on today that you are a priority to God. Don't you let nobody, not the devil in hell or none of his lies, make you think that you are not important, that God does not love you and that you are not the apple of his eye because the devil is absolutely a liar. Whether your relationship as a single person is temporary or whether it's permanent, God has a plan for you right now in your state of singleness. So do not wait. Listen to me, single people. Do not wait until you get married to start living. Don't wait until you get married to start enjoying life. And please do not wait until you get married to start obeying God. Don't think for a minute that because you are single that you are insignificant in the eyesight of God. God wants to be a part of your single adult years as much as any other time in your life. So he wasn't just there when you were a little child. He's not going to be just there when you get married. But he's right there right now. And he wants to be a significant part of your life. Now, there are several single women in the Bible, and there are several stories and scriptures to prove it. And as I was reading, the one that stood out to me the most was Queen Esther. See, we always tend to focus on her being the queen. We look at the end of her story and forget that before she was the queen, she was a young girl who had lost both of her parents and she only had her uncle Mordecai to look out for her. So I want you to stop looking at someone's right now story and, and, and start thinking back to where God brought them from. Because when you look at Queen Esther, you're looking at her now of where she is being the queen. But that's a story to, for her to get to the glory of where she is right now. Just like there's a story in each and every one of our lives to get to where we are right now. As an unmarried Jewish woman, which was very unpopular during that time, she was chosen by God to save his people. A single woman with no parents. So that means she probably had a whole bunch of stuff that she didn't learn because she didn't have a mom and a daddy to teach her. I mean, can you imagine growing up with an uncle? Who how, My children can't even go to their daddy to ask them certain questions. Because the first thing when it gets to a sensitive subject or something that deal with female, he's gonna say, run to, go tell your mom, go ask your mama. That's a mama question. But Esther didn't have a mama to go ask a question to. There were some things that came up and she didn't have her daddy to go ask a question to. All she had was her uncle. Amen. And, and I want to tell you this, in spite of where she came from, God still used her and God can use you no matter what your state right now, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you came from a two-parent household or a one-parent household, no matter how much money you got, God can use you right at the state that you're in. But the question is, will you answer when he calls? Because see, Esther could have focused on Not answering or saying that she was not able or she was not worthy to be called by God to do the task that he sent her to do. Where would we be had she not answered the call? Well, I want to challenge you that somebody is waiting on you to answer your call. Amen. The reason why I chose Esther is because I see so much of the beginning of my life in her story. We look at the glory at the end of her, but don't look at the process of how she got there. So many people look at me now as pastor's wife, Lady McGee. She got all these businesses and and this and that, and she got the kids, she got a house, she got cars, she got this. But don't know the story from the beginning. Because, see, I wasn't always Lady McGee. I was Sexy Red. And I'm going to tell you, Sexy Red was a broken, single woman who was looking for love in all the wrong places. And because I didn't know who I was in God, I named myself Sexy Red. That's not who God called me. That's not who he created me to be. That's who I called myself. So I have a question for you. What are you calling yourself? That is not what God called you. Whether it's something like Sexy or are you calling yourself ugly? Are you calling yourself fat? Are you calling yourself a failure? What are you calling yourself that God did not call you? So from the beginning, it was a broken teenage girl who didn't grow up with her parents, just like Queen Esther. A broken teenage girl who lived with her grandmother And then at the times when I wasn't with my grandmother, I was with this uncle and this aunt and this cousin. I bounced around from pillar to post looking for love when I didn't even realize that it was there waiting on me to find it all along. And I'm not talking about Pastor McGee. The hardest part to me when I was single was having so much love bottled up on the inside of me and not knowing how to give it, or who to give it to. Because, see, as a woman by nature, we have a lot of love to give. God created us with beautiful hearts, and he created us as nurturers. And so, we think, and and, and as little kids, we play with dolls, and we play house, and we play with all these things. And so, As a little child, we're trained to want to love and give love and affection to another man. And so that's what I did over and over as a teenage broken person. I see myself in Queen Esther from the beginning to the end. And I'm going to share it with you in just a little while. But when the Lord places us in a season of singleness for a while or even a lifetime, we may wonder what do we do with this abundance of love overflowing within us? During the time of singleness, we do have means to channel that love and nurturing spirit. These are some of the means that we should be using. First of all, we should be channeling that love to build a relationship with God. We ought to fall in love. As a single woman, we ought to be so in love. that The Bible says that, you know, that a man finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor in the Lord. The problem is, or finding, if you find something, that means you got to be lost. And so we should be so lost and consumed in God's word and loving him that it's going to be hard for the man to find us. But see, we, we ain't that lost. We ain't that in love with him. Because we out there, we we might be loving on and reading a little while, but then we're going to dress up and fix up and we're going to go out so somebody can see us. We give a little of attention to God and a lot more attention to self so that we can be noticed. I'm talking about me when I was a single woman. As a single person, we can encourage other single women. Some of the best ways to exercise that nurturing spirit that's within you is by giving time with other people who have things in common with you. Daniel befriended three other Israelites in captivity. Paul and Silas sang hymns together in prison. Ruth and Naomi shared in the loss of a family member. We have common things. We have friendships and relationships that are built on things that we have in common. So why as singles can't we get together and share our 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 concerns or share in the load we can mentor other singles especially if you've been single longer and then for the married people we need to learn how to step up and help single people we need to learn how to step up we can look and see when a single brother or sister is going through and they just need some time they might just need a break they might just need a couple of hours to themselves How many times have we offered ourselves so that somebody who is single, who is struggling, and we see them struggling, can just have a breather to just spend some time with the Lord, especially when they're single parents? We can ask them how we can pray for them. And we can share our testimony with others so that they might be healed. The scripture says, love the least of these. The blessing of singleness comes with an abundance of time. But with more time to dedicate to ministry, singles can use that nurturing and loving spirit to care for those who are overlooked in the world today. That's the least of these. As singles, we should serve in our church. There are a multitude of ways to show a loving and nurturing spirit in the church. If you have a lot of love to give, the church needs it. I said if you got a lot of love to give, the church needs it. Those 30 children or 40 or 50 or how many back there, they need it. And I want to stop right there because if you got children back there, you ought to be willing to invest once every six weeks to help with your children doing something. Because they need it. Not only do they need it, they need to see a man back there. As a former teacher, that was what was missing in the school system for many of our children. They didn't see any male faces, any male role models. And in the church, most of the time, it's the same way. So I'm just recapping of singles. But today my focus is to climax with the single parent. Many times when we hear this term, we only focus on mothers. But there are many men who are also playing the role of a single father. Because there are some men who become single fathers through divorce, through death, or through whatever. You have some, every daddy ain't a deadbeat daddy. There are some men, my husband said it last week, if things don't work out between us, what'd he say? I ain't going to stop him from seeing and taking care of his kids. He going to see his kids. I'm not going to be able to stop him. Now, let me say this. Where's Brother Tim? I don't like quiet. I don't like quiet. I need to play something. As tired as I am, I'm going to go to sleep too. I've been up since 3 o'clock. Now, while God's intention was for children to be raised by both a mother and a father, he also has compassion on the parent who is raising a child on his or her own. God's instructions about parenting apply equally to single and married people. He's told us not to provoke our children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. He also says, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. One is in Ephesians 6 and 4, the other in Colossians 3 and 21. In Proverbs 22 and 6, he tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go and when they are old they will not depart from it so last week pastor like took all of my message I was like sitting there mad because I had been talking with Elder Yafrika and I had been just telling her what God was downloading in me since he gave me the message to preach on single parenting and then he got up there and read the whole scripture and said everything but I'm going to recap that too Now, the story of Hagar comes from Genesis chapter 16, verse 21. I mean, verses chapter 16 and chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. Now, I'm just going to summarize it. Uh, Hagar was a servant of Abraham and Sarah. And because Sarah couldn't have children at this point in time, she made Hagar have sex with her husband, Abraham. Therefore, Hagar became pregnant with his firstborn son, Ishmael. Now, I don't understand that either because I ain't never finna give Pastor McGee to nobody. To nobody. Because I don't feel good, because I got a headache, because I'm out of town. That ain't going to happen. And this summer is a little bit misleading because it wasn't that she couldn't have children. It was that she was impatient and waiting on God to bless her with the promise. It, wasn't, it, it was that she didn't have any yet. And you know, sometimes God makes a promise to us, and because it doesn't happen when we want it to happen, we start making it happen. Just like her. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make it happen. But I guarantee you, just like her, when we go out and we make things happen, we're going to make a mess of it because God knows what's best and we need to wait on his perfect time and amen so because Sarah couldn't have children at this point in time she made Hagar have sex with her husband she became pregnant with his firstborn son Ishmael Hagar began to despise Sarah and ended up fleeing into the wilderness now She's pregnant. She goes off in the wilderness. And then an angel of the Lord came to her and said that she should return to Sarah and submit to her. Now I can only imagine how she felt. Like, I'm in this position because I did what you asked me to do. Then you're going to mistreat me? And God, you want me to go back and allow her to continue to mistreat me? I don't quite understand that. The angel also said that God would multiply her seed, for she was pregnant with Ishmael. God saw her and he came to her. He comforted her and gave her the right advice on what to do at this point, and she listened to him. So later on, God opened up Sarah's womb, and she was able to give the gift of bearing her own son, Isaac. This was after 14 years, 14 years of torture for Hagar having his outside child, the child that she asked for. But when she has her own child, then she recognizes, oh, I got to get rid of this woman and her child because she's going to mess up my son's inheritance. So she has her sent off. My problem with that, now I know that, you know, Abraham had, uh, you know, he went to God, and God told him to go ahead and do what his wife said do. But even before Abraham went to God, he went. He told Sarah, go ahead and do what you want to do. Go ahead. You can get rid of her. Even though it grieved his heart, I want to challenge you, men and women. I don't care how fine he or she is. I, I would have probably never even got to the point to go to God and ask him. Because when you asked me to get rid of my babies, it was a wrap for me. See, y'all ain't clapping. Y'all ain't listening to me. I love Greg McGee, but he knew from day one that Aisha Danielle was number one priority. And he knew that if he couldn't love Aisha Danielle, he couldn't love me. So I said that to say this don't settle for a man who can't love you and your babies. That's not God's best. That is not his best. So before I go on into the story, I text a few single mothers here and I thought about my own situation and I asked about how, what was the hardest part about being a single mother? And I had to think back for myself because I was a single mother for um, five and a half years. And so I asked some of the other single mothers what the hardest part for them was. And one of them told me that the co-parenting was the hardest part. Trying to get along with the other person, um, she, she made the statement and she said, I would never keep him away from his children, but I told him that I would never force him to be a father. She said, so if he ever wanted to see his children, the door was always open. However, I'm not calling you. I'm not upset with you. I'm not going to make you love my babies because if I got to make you do for them, they probably are better off without you. That's tough. That's tough. But I don't want nobody that I got to make love me. Because if I have to make you love me, whether you my husband, whether you a friend, whether you a foe, whoever, if I got to make you love me, I'm going to have to keep on doing things to make you stay there and love me. And it's never going to be enough. It's going to always be something else. I asked another one of our single mothers and she said to me that the hardest part was the disappointment that she would see in her children's face when the absent parent would make promises and never follow through and show up with those promises. And I'm challenging you today that if that's you, if you're making promises and you're not keeping them, you need to stop. That was my story, too. And I think that's why I began to get so emotional. And it's like, as a single parent, you want what's best for your children. And so, for me, with Aisha's father, it was very hard because he was a married man. So, yeah. I had a baby by a married man. Now, I didn't know he was a married man when I got pregnant. I should have listened to my daddy. My daddy ain't saved. He don't know a lot. But when my daddy told me when I went into the army, he said, When you get in there, he said, stay away from all them slick jokers. But he ain't say jokers. He said, because it's gonna be some married men that don't wear their ring, and they're going to trick you. So I found myself 19 years old, 18, actually, pregnant, 19, giving birth. 18 years old, I'm a broken young lady myself, not having been reared by my own parents. I find myself as a single parent. And he... um. He told me the day that I told him that I was pregnant, that he was married. It was probably one of the toughest days of my life. Because at the time, I thought that I was in love. Not really love. It was lust. Infatuation. But I thought that I was in love. And so when I took the test and I found out I was pregnant, I was excited. I was happy. And... He rained on my parade, and so I was forced to become a single parent, and so as a single parent, I had to make some tough decisions, and sometimes the decisions your children won't understand. So one of the parents that I talked to, she said that the father was abusive, And so she was fearful of allowing her children to go and be with their father because he was abusive. And so she felt a guilt by not allowing her child to see the father, but she was doing what she thought was best for the child. And so as a single parent, sometimes it will cause resentment in your children towards you because you have to do what's best for your children or what you think is best at that time. And so I had to make some tough decisions even when Aisha was small because I got saved when she was very young. And what I wanted was for her to know Jesus. And I didn't want any barriers in the way of that. And at the time, he didn't know anything about Jesus. He was practicing all kind of different stuff, different stuff at different times. And so I had to make a decision of whether I wanted to take on the responsibility myself or whether I wanted her to be exposed to things that could hurt her more in the long run. Not only that, and she doesn't remember, but when she was smaller and I did let her go, there was some like, some forms of abuse Because she was made as an outside child. His wife didn't accept her. And I I couldn't blame her. So when I would send her there, she would mistreat her. She wouldn't comb her hair. She wouldn't do for her. She wouldn't watch her when he had to work. And so I had to make a decision. I'm not sure that I want my child to go back there until she's old enough to be able to understand and old enough to fend for herself and be able to tell me when there's an issue. So I asked another single parent what the hardest part was, and they said to me that it was a fear of not being able to teach their children because they didn't have a father there. They felt like they couldn't adequately teach their sons how to be men. And yes, you need a mother and a father. That is the way that God designed it. But I want to challenge the church today because if you know some young men, even in this church, who don't have an active father in their life, You need to step up. You need to step up and mentor some of these young men so that they don't end up being broken young men not knowing how to be strong, godly men one day. So as I go back to Hagar, she was a surrogate (laughs) for Sarah and Abraham. I already talked about that. Let me skip it. Single parents can learn what Hagar learned. So when she went out, after she got her little child support, you know they give you a little check. Gave her a little food, a little water, sent them on out there into the desert, into the wilderness. And they give you this little check, $150 a month. That's what I got till it was cut off. They don't even pay for one week daycare. But we can learn from Hagar, she went off into the wilderness after she got her little check and she used it all up. The Bible says, when she cried out to God, he drew near. I think that that's a missing component and a missing element for all of us, especially for single parents. Because I can remember being a single parent and I can remember complaining to everyone else about what somebody wasn't doing to help me. I was angry with my grandmother because I felt like she could have done a little bit more. But really, it wasn't her responsibility, it was mine. And so sometimes we get angry with people because they aren't in position or because they are and they just don't help us. And so sometimes we need to stop crying out and we need to stop, you know, whining and complaining about who isn't helping us. And we need to go seek the face of God like she did. It says when she cried out to God, he drew near. Hagar called to the Lord, the Lord who sees me. That's what she called him. Despite how lonely single parenting may be at times, those who know the Lord can take comfort in remembering that they are never alone. God promises to be a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows and orphans. God is concerned about your children. He says that he will be a father to the fatherless. He'll be a mother to the motherless. So for that person who said, I just feel like I can't be enough for my children, you can't be. You can't be mom and dad. You can only be who God called you to be. And at the end of the day, you have to rely on God who said that he'll be a father to the fatherless. Many parents, especially those working to be both father and mother, feel overwhelmed in going at it alone. Fortunately, there is help available. There's help available sometimes with family and friends and neighbors. That's why it's so important that we build relationships. It's important that we build relationships here in church. Sometimes we get frustrated and we feel like, I don't have any help. But really... Are you a help to someone else? Have you built relationships in order to have help? There's help available in the church. One thing I can say about EMCC is that we truly are family. Relationships are built, and we help one another. But another thing is we don't know sometimes that people need help unless they tell us. The most important thing for any parent to remember is that God created our children. He created them. So no matter whether we got them in sin, in the act of sin or not, He created our children and He has a purpose for their lives. My baby back there, when I was 19, And I found myself pregnant by a married man. So I knew I wasn't going to have any help. I called my dad, and I was in Texas at the time, and he was in Texas. And I said, Daddy, I'm pregnant. One of the hardest things, I mean, like, I was married, and every time I called my daddy to tell him I was pregnant, I was like terrified. It's like your daddy know you had sex. <laughs> and uh so I told him I was pregnant. And the reaction I got wasn't the reaction I wanted. He said, I'm on my way. And I I was excited for a moment. My daddy coming to get me. He said, I'm on my way to take you to the abortion clinic so you can get rid of it, so pack a weekend bag. And I said, I'm not doing that. I didn't know God at the time. I didn't know who he was. But what I did know was that he gave me a baby. And if he gave it to me, he was going to make a way for me. He created your children with a plan and purpose. I don't care how they got here. So last week when my baby got on her knees and she said yes to God, it was because I said no to my daddy 27 years ago. So I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how difficult it gets. You keep telling God yes. You keep speaking life over your babies. You keep pouring into them. Because God has a purpose and a plan. I don't care how bad they are. And some of y'all might say they ain't bad. Yes, yeah, some am bad. Greg Jr. was bad when he was little. It was a bad little two-year-old boy, typical two-year-old. He was bad, but he was mine. And because he was bad at two, that didn't mean I was going to stop loving him and throw him away. God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of our children. And if you don't have any yet, start praying for them right now pastor shared yesterday you know some people say you know it was my prayers of my mama that that helped me to get over you know they sing them old hymns my mama prayed for me my grandma prayed for me i don't have that testimony my husband who i didn't know prayed for me because he had a man of god in his life that said you may not even be dating right now but i want you to seek the face of god and start praying for your wife If you're single, start praying for your husband, not for God to send him. Start praying for him to be saved. I get so tired of seeing saved women get married to unsaved men just to say they got a husband. Trying to fix it up for God. God going to give them to you right at the perfect timing. God entrusted our children to us regardless of our family situation. And he expects us to take responsibility and to raise them in a godly manner. He expects us to bring them to church. He expects us to teach them the word. He expects us to chastise them, to rebuke them when when they're doing wrong. But he expects us to provide and to nurture them and to love them. single may parent, single parents may find it more difficult than those with partners but when they engage the help of their brothers and sisters in christ their children can be just as productive as children that grow up in two-parent households do not believe the lie of the enemy that your child is going to be lacking because the mother isn't there or your child is going to be lacking because the father isn't there. When we hold one another up, it's not just about holding up me and the pastor. We need to hold each other up. When they engage in the help of their brothers and sisters in Christ, their children can be just as productive. And single parents can rest assured that he cares for their children just as much as he does those from a two-parent household. When single parents model purity, honor, honesty, and all those things before their children, they are earning the respect that will help those children emulate that same behavior. When Aisha was two years old, I ain't know what to do with a baby. By the time she was two, I was 21. Most people at 21 want to be partying and living their best life. I was being a mama or trying because I didn't even know what I was doing. But one day I went to church. And I know what it means when it says the word finds you right where you are. August 3rd, 1997. I went to church and my pastor ministered a word to me and I looked over at my baby sitting next to me and I said, this ain't gonna be the end. I don't want her to grow up like me. I don't want her to make the same mistakes that I made. I don't want her to be a single parent. I don't want her to suffer the pain that I suffered. So because I don't want her to suffer the things that I suffered. I made a choice to give my life to God that day. Not just for me, but for her too. And if you're a single parent, you need to give your life wholeheartedly to God every day. Your babies are watching. They're not just watching what you say. They're watching what you do. They're going to mimic what you do. When my girl's try to start dressing and looking all hoochified, I look at them and I say, your mama don't dress like that. I don't care what you see on the TV. I don't say what you see on the magazines. I don't care what your friends are wearing. You're going to dress holy before the Lord. Because I present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Because I cover myself up. I'm going to teach you. Now, when you get grown, it's up to you to do what's right. But we got to lift up a standard of holiness before our children. I get so grieved in my spirit when I look on Facebook and see these TikToks and all these videos of these little girls popping and shaking it and dancing and gyrating and everybody celebrating and clapping. That ain't nothing to celebrate and to clap. I can post a video of the kids learning scriptures and you get two likes. You post a video of a baby dancing and grinding, grinding on the floor, it got a million likes. Your children are gonna emulate what they see. Be the example. So what happens to Hagar? What can we learn from her story? It's simple, the moral of the story is that if you and your children are struggling, God will come to you and he will help you out. He just wants you to invite him in. He wants you to cry out to him. Hagar was basically kicked out of her home where Abraham and Sarah were and were hardly given anything to survive on. You know, I told you about that little chick. Her son was struggling and she broke down in tears and God came. No matter what kind of hardship or trials we are facing, the struggles that our children may have also we need to learn how to cry out to God. We know that through the story of Hagar, Naomi, and the widow of Zarephath, our faith is the strongest and most powerful weapon that we have in order to survive. That's why the Bible declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If our faith is the most positive and powerful weapon we have, don't you think the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you from building up your most holy faith? That's why you don't feel like going to church on Sunday. It amazed me. I looked at the weather this morning. I'm talking about it was raining cats and dogs when I got ready to leave. I told y'all, if y'all tired, I'm probably 10 times tired. And I looked at the weather and I said, "Hey, this ain't nothing the rain was scheduled to stop by 11 o'clock. It rained just long enough for, for, for some of us to make up a decision. Oh, I ain't going to go today. I'm just going to watch online. It's funny how we do that when it comes to church. But we can't make that decision when it's time to go get that dollar. I don't care how hard It's raining. I'm going to grab my umbrella, my raincoat, my rain boots, and I'm going to get out and I'm going to go get that dollar. But we need to be like that when it comes. I don't care what's going on outside. Put my boots on, put my rain hat on. Me and Sister Africa had our bonnets with our rollers still in our hair when we got here. I unwrap it when I get there. But I'm going to the house of the Lord. If our faith is our most strongest and powerful weapon, we have got to spend time building up our faith. We got to spend time in his word. We can't afford to miss not one thing that comes out of our shepherd's mouth. And that don't mean just sitting in these pews because we can be here and be so distracted because we on Facebook and scrolling. We can't even stop long enough to hear what God is trying to say. That we may not need this message today, but when we need it, we ain't even got it in our tool belt because we didn't even pay attention when it was going forth. I came today to encourage some single parents not to give up, to tell you you're doing a good job, that God is pleased, that the enemy wants you to think that you're a failure. I came today to tell you that you got church family. You got friends. You got people that are here to support you. Don't give up. So as I was preparing a couple weeks ago, this book came to me. I was searching and studying, and it's called Help and Hope for the Single Parent by Dr. Tony Evans. And I bought this to give to every single parent today because I'm going to give it to them. And I'm going to do a study with them on Zoom to help them. Because there's a Queen Esther on the inside of each and every one of them. I don't want them looking at their current circumstances. And so when I talk to those single parents and I ask them some things that encouraged them in this walk... This is some of the scriptures that I got. Most of them I already had. And Jessica was so in my message when she was ministering in song. Because my first scripture on this paper. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Thou hast an host, though, and hosts should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I, <clears throat> one thing have I forsaken me that I don't even I can't even read, Lord. One thing have mother forsaken me. Then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. I think I skipped something. Oh, I did. I skipped a whole lot. I'm going edit and pasted Something wrong. I'm going to find it in the Bible. Psalms 27. Because I want to read it. And I think I skipped some scriptures. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, I, You know what? I'm going to need somebody to read it. You know why? because I can't see this little Bible, because y'all know everybody be asking me on my phone, why your font so big? I can read your font 10 rows back. I got it, First Lady. Okay, can you read it? Yes, ma'am. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, To eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple keep going Psalms 34 1 through 6 I will bless the Lord this is why I I just want to give some encouragement to the people on today is that okay because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and I just want to build you up on today is that all right? Psalms 34 1 through 6 says I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles psalms 37 and 25 says i was young and now i'm old and i've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging bread i came today to tell you i don't care if you got one income and the parent ain't doing his part the bible declares that i've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread Psalms 119 and 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4:19. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, he says, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalms 30 and 5 says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. It won't always be like this. It won't always be like this. I talked to Sister AJ this morning. Hallelujah. And she said, you know, she said, that's the way she said, it won't always be like this. She said when she left an abusive relationship, she said she left running with one outfit and a few clothes. She said she didn't have no money, but she left running for her life. And she said when she closed on her house Friday, all she could think about was where God had brought her from. I came to tell you it won't always be like this. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I came to tell you, First Peter 5 and 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you can't handle it, give it to God. He can handle it far better than you can. I came to tell you in First Peter 5 and 10, it says, And the Lord God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you had suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Luke 1 and 37 says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I don't care what your story looks like right now. I don't care what your marriage looks like right now. Hallelujah. You still keep saying yes. You still keep saying we do. I don't care how your children are acting right now. Don't give up on your babies. God has a purpose and a plan for their lives. So my prayer today, hallelujah, as we come to a close, if you don't take anything else with you, as we close out this series on singleness and single parenting, that God loves you. Don't wait to start living. Start living now. Start living now. If Queen Esther had waited to start living, she would have never become Queen Esther. If I had looked at my situation, I'm 19 years old. I'm a single parent. I don't know what to do. I wouldn't have this man that I just celebrated 22 years with. God is not a respecter of persons, just of principle. Honor God with your body. Honor God with your finances. Honor God with your time, with your talents. And he'll do the same thing for you in his time. And don't be like Sarah and rush it and try to plan it for yourself. Because I promise you, it won't work out the way that you see it in your head. You wait on God. Wait on the Lord, I say. Amen. Come on and bless the Lord for the word on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.